0: major support for out to lunch is provided by the law firm of jones walker established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the u.s providing a comprehensive range of services to a local national and international client base joneswalker.com and by three-roll estate craft rum distillery crafting premium rum from their own louisiana sugarcane. three-roll is cane to glass
1: from Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business Acadiana style.
2: Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Be yourself It's what we're all taught from an early age. And When you get a little older, you find out that the world around you doesn't make that so easy. Taboos are stubborn, and even as we get more comfortable talking about sensitive or personal subjects, It can feel daunting to open up. That's where the idea of safe space comes in. It's maybe a more common practice in psychotherapy or in counseling, but it's emerging in public spaces too, and just in time. The world isn't getting less complicated, and it can be confusing, particularly around questions of sex, sexuality, and sexual health, all the more so for kids. In Lafayette, there's a safe space to get answers about all that. It's called Safe Haven, and my guest Courtney Celestine is Safe Haven's marketing director. The idea behind Safe Haven is to give teens a place where they can talk about sex, and the bedrock principle here is whether we like it or not, kids are learning about sex and acting on it. The data doesn't lie. Uh, Louisiana ranks among the highest in the nation for rates of teen pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases. It's not easy to talk about it, especially with adults, so Safe Haven creates a space where kids can ask questions without the weight of moralizing. Safe Haven is a nonprofit. It's funded by grants. And outside of its space in downtown Lafayette, it does work with schools and local courts. Courtney Celestine, welcome to Out to Lunch.
3: Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
2: Um, It's still hard to talk about sex, and it's still very hard to talk about mental health. We're getting better at it, I think, but we've got a long way to go. And far too many people struggling with debilitating mental health problems often wind up isolated. And here's the problem. Isolation is about the worst thing that can happen to them. Enter focus clubhouse the program creates a working environment for folks with mental health problems develop real world skills and stay connected clubhouse members operate the clubhouse itself helping with everything from cooking and cleaning to outreach intake and even fundraising the program is totally voluntary gives people a place to go where they can be understood and valued lafayette's focus clubhouse chapter was started by my guest clarice gallegos and her son brian brian stabilized from a life in and out of homelessness by attending a clubhouse in florida Lafayette chapter has since grown um, to include 55 members. Clarice Gallegos, welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thank you for having me. We're so excited to
1: be here, and oh. we have exciting news. Oh, good.
2: <laughs> I love it when the show makes news. Um, so, Courtney, I wanted to start with you, which is, you know, it, it's admirable to kind of take this approach in a, on a difficult subject to talk about and right, you know, sort of keep it about the data, keep it about the facts, but it
3: feels like we're in a place now where that's very hard to do. How do you
2: guys accomplish that balance?
3: Um, Well, really, the biggest thing is we have to stay on top of the, um, like, recent data and research. And also, um, you know, we want to take measures to prevent the statistics from going higher. Mm. So we pretty much just, you know, constantly looking at, like, the CDC, like, asking questions, um, doing surveys um, to see, like, where the needs are and ways in which we can meet the needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean...
2: The the, the program itself comes from what you guys have a founder, right? And she Mm -hmm. sort of developed this curriculum, I get the sense. I mean, where did the concept around safe haven come from? I mean, safe houses, I think, have been around, or the concept of a safe space, excuse me. But but what y'all do specifically, your specific approach? I mean, how did did you get here from there?
3: So our executive (coughs) director, Dr. Aria Moore, um, she actually just finished her Ph.D., Mm -hmm. but she studied human sexuality. So Mm -hmm. as she was doing, like, lots of research and things like that. She realized a lot of teens didn't have accurate information. So before she even officially started Safe Haven Education Center, um, she was teaching teens life skills with things that she learned about through her research. And in 2020, um, she got approved for a grant and started Safe Haven Education Center. So our name is not, everybody's always like, oh my gosh, like we need a box and we need this. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, we're not that kind of safe haven. Mm-hmm. She actually got the name because her daughter's name is Haven, oh, okay. so that's why it's spelled H-A-V-Y-N-N. Yep. But she also wanted it to be a safe place where students can have uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. So we actually utilize a curriculum that already that's already been established, mm-hmm. um, is age appropriate, medically and culturally accurate as well um we have to get it approved and everything before we can go forward so we utilize um that curriculum to teach the teens the life skills got it so uh, clarice i mean i was uh, you know thinking about the program right how Focus
2: clubhouse works and and one of the things that you're trying to target right is is folks that might by definition be in an isolated situation so it occurred to me like how do you find them you know i mean if folks are isolated they've got to be difficult to track down right i mean how do people find focus clubhouse or how does focus clubhouse find its members
1: well most of the members of focus clubhouse find us um we are actually getting referrals from tyler mental health center now Mm -hmm. we're getting referrals from beacon connection now we've um picked up like two or three new members in the last week. So we're growing. We have about six to nine active members that come on a regular basis every day. Um, The 55 members that you mentioned, they're there. Once a member, always a member of Focus Clubhouse, unless you become a danger to yourself and or other members. That's the only way you lose that privilege. But, they come and we talk to them and you know they just fall in love with the idea of having to be out of isolation now we're in a very small building so right now a lot of social anxiety is tempting some because You're kind of on top of each other, which brings me to my great, big, huge announcement. Okay. We found a new location. Oh, wow. It's a house with a full kitchen and three bedrooms and two bathrooms. Mm -hmm. It's on Johnston Street, (laughs) 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 right by, close to the university, not far from, um, McDonald's and Burger King, and that on Johnson Street yeah. by the university, 1609 Johnson Street. I'm oh, so excited. We'll be moving in November.
2: Wow, that's 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 great. I mean, so you know, kind of looking through how this program works, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you um, you know, people kind of join up, they go through it, they become part of the management of the clubhouse itself. So, I mean, I would think to some extent somebody might would hear that and be like, I don't want to get put to work. But it sounds like that's part of the philosophy, right? Well, it is
1: part of the philosophy. <laughs> yeah. And and our number one standard is everything is voluntary. We're members of Clubhouse International, and that's where the proven program comes from. It's sure. It's been around, like I said, for over 70 years. Yeah. And so it we don't force anybody it's all voluntary the fact that they come is voluntary mm-hmm. the fact that they can come and sit and do absolutely nothing just sit there mm-hmm. and we will speak to them we will encourage them hey you want to go help uh put the dishes up or you want to can you sweep this room out for me real quick or something simple that you know we are reestablishing our different units so we have a culinary unit. We'll have a media unit. We'll have a membership unit, which is for retention and um, reach out. Because if you don't come for several days in a row, we get concerned. You know, anything can happen to someone that's living with bipolar or schizophrenia. So we follow up and check on them to make sure that they are okay. Um, So it is kind of working for free, are volunteering, as the word is used loosely. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah. We are a nonprofit. We have not received any grants yet, so we are funded partially by Tyler, yeah. um, Acadiana Human Services District. Um, but we do most of it from fundraising, and that brings me to our first annual veterans association celebration yeah it will be on veterans day in the evening with a full ceremony at 5:15, followed by a party and the band will be the good dudes i'm yeah. so excited to hear them i was gonna go to rhythms on the river last night but i had a fundraiser to <laughs> attend so i didn't get to hear them but people um, don't
2: often have a clear sight to the business operations of a nonprofit, right? I mean, like you know, there, there's a saying, in, I said I run a nonprofit. I run a nonprofit media outlet, right? And and there's a saying there, which is, you know, being a nonprofit is is not a business model; it's a tax status, right? Like so, you know, I, I do want to ask, you know, a little bit about how y'all approach that side of it, the bottom line, right? I mean, and of course, you know, Safe Haven, you, you, um, Courtney, you're a marketing. Director, right? Like, that's the kind of job title you would tend to find in, in, a, in, a, in a conventional business. I mean, what role does a marketing director play in the context of a nonprofit?
3: Yeah, so here, because of what we do, um, and I, I'll go into detail about that. So basically, we partner with different organizations throughout Louisiana, and we put on a two day workshop to mm-hmm. teach the life skills to teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know sexual health is already a hard conversation to have in the state of louisiana um and to also to get organizations to understand like what we do and why we do it the importance of it Mm -hmm. so um marketing is important because i do have to recruit um organizations in order to put on these two-day workshops um and also because we're new we also um trying to get Safe Haven out, like let people know, like, hey, we exist. Um, This is what we offer. All of our um, workshops are completely free. We cover everything. Um, So in a nutshell, like that's what a marketing director do at Safe Haven. (laughs) Right.
2: What what about on on your side, Clarice? I mean, obviously, you're you're doing the work because you're passionate about it. It's something you have a personal connection to. I mean, how are beyond the donations? I mean, are, are you charging fees? I mean, how do you keep this going?
1: um donations and (laughs) more donations and i am passionate about it i don't um i don't take a salary um so that helps um i have hired one assistant and i do pay her now and we're here talking to you to get the word out even though we opened in january of 2020 so this january will be three years old um you know as well as everybody else that's a baby nonprofit. Um, I have approached the city council and the parish council for funding yep. and was denied. Um, I don't know what it's going to take to get people to take their head out of the sand and realize there's a true mental health problem in this state as a whole, and especially in the Lafayette area or the Acadiana area. We cover all the... I think there's, I don't know how many parishes there are. Depends but, on who you ask and when. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and who they are who they like and yeah, who they don't. That's right. But, um, you know, it's just the more word we get out, the more members we get, the more members we get, the more they publicize it mm-hmm. as well because they've now found something that they enjoy doing. And, you know, um, when we move, we'll have a yard, we'll be able to – to they'll be able to get outside, yeah. and it it'll just be. I just see big things for us. I yeah. mean, I really do.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater, talking with Clarice Gallegos of Focus Clubhouse and Courtney Celestine of Safe Haven. So, Courtney, I mean, I'm curious if you guys are doing a lot of outbound work, right? Where you're working with you know other. Types of entities, schools, I mean, courts, those kinds of things. I mean, do you, do you find that you have to? Are they coming to you? I mean, obviously your job is to market and to find them, mm-hmm. but are you having sort of to convince them? Hey, this is an important thing for you to do. or they? Are they? Or when you're getting to them, they're saying, "Oh yeah, this makes a ton of sense. We need help." I mean, yeah. what are you generally finding
3: out there? Um, so it's a mixture of both. So whenever we first started um, in 2020, it was a lot of us going out. Um, to recruiting people and um, to showing them like what's going on in Louisiana when it comes to sexual health, and um, recently like the word has been going out and more people have been contacting us, um, but we find a lot of people who work directly with you are seeing the issues themselves. Um, so like recently we had a school in Lafayette that reached out about um, issues with their middle schoolers who are acting out sexually but, um, you know, they're not really processing what's going on, what are the risks um, that they're taking whenever they act out on it. So they reached out to us to, um, to put on the workshop to give them the facts and um, prevention education. So, um, like I said, like a lot of people who work directly with you see it, but it, a lot of times the overseers and people who don't work directly with the youth are kind of like taken back Mm -hmm. from it so it's kind of like a mixture of both like i have to approach the people who are higher and the people who work with them approach us i see um
2: clarice you you guys have this new house coming i mean was that something that you guys had to fundraise to buy or was it a donated home we're
1: not we're not buying it we're renting it um it's it finally sunk in that um Even though I've applied for the adjudicated property, and I feel certain that that's one thing that will pass the city council and parish council, that they'll award that. Um, By the time I would get anything built on it, you know, I would be there where I'm at another year or two, possibly. So I've nicknamed the adjudicated property project when I build my mansion. (laughs) (laughs) because that's what it's going to be. I'll get to get with an architect and build it like I want. Um, This house I've been looking at for a long time, and it's never come for rent at the time my lease was ending. And it just came for rent, and I stopped, and I called the lady, and my lease is up the end of November, and it's for rent now. And I said, no, this is nothing but A higher power, and we're gonna take it. So we're renting, and the rent did go up, so now we have to work harder. (laughs) But you know, with Courtney here, I didn't really know about Safe Haven, Mm -hmm. and I can see a a collaboration there myself because teens that act out a lot about that may have some self issues you know maybe they're anxious or they're trying to get love and attention and there's a mental health problem behind it maybe not severe Mm -hmm. you know but um so I could see us definitely working together and in some of your students if you notice anything you could definitely send them
3: our way yes I was Thinking the exact same thing <laughs> as you were um, describing your organization, I'm like this would be a great collaboration. Yes, it would um, be for us. And yes, we and we also teach because it is um, STI and pregnancy prevention mm-hmm. program, but we also teach basic life skills too mm-hmm. because we want to focus on the whole self and not just like the action. So we do teach, um, you know, like loving yourself, self-esteem, personality styles, being okay with mm-hmm. who you are, um, and not being okay with not fitting in with other people as well, Um, emotional awareness, communication skills. So we focus on all of those things because it makes a whole person. Right,
1: right. And see, we currently don't have any clinical in our clubhouse, but one of the greatest experiences I just got to do, um, I went to Baltimore, uh, Maryland for Clubhouse International's uh, seminar and it was a week-long seminar it was the most awesome thing it had all kinds of workshops and I learned um, from other clubhouses that they now have what they call an integrated model and that means that I can have a psych doctor and a therapist within reasonable distance like when the mansion comes I'll have a little corridor there and the clinical side will be in a separate building we'll have doors because when they need help they'll be able to sign out of the clubhouse go see the therapist or whatever and then come back and sign back in it's not during clubhouse hours because they are signed out but it will solve I had a gentleman come in my office one day and he said I need help I need to see somebody And I called Tyler because they're the biggest ones that accept Medicaid and, you know, all that. It would have been three weeks before he could get an appointment at Tyler. They took his information. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're coming to somewhere and asking for help, you Mm -hmm. don't need it three weeks from now. You need it now. So that's why I'm so excited about that coming to Focus Clubhouse. Um, Hopefully soon, but, you know, we'll see.
2: Clarice, I mean, if, if what you will do makes a lot of sense to me, and, you know, and, and I think about the referrals you might be getting from, you know, behavioral health organizations and those kinds of things, I mean, why isn't this just a more common intervention, right? If it's, if it, I didn't realize that it was as old, the program, mm-hmm. as as been I mean, 70 years, like this mm-hmm. is not new. No. Um, I mean, is it just that it's labor intensive? I mean, why isn't this a more common practice in, in handling I,
1: I don't know. It is, I mean, there's over 300 clubhouses throughout the United States and in 30 different countries. Yeah. We just happen to be the first and only in um, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the first clubhouse opened in New York City in 1948 called Fountain House. Mm-hmm. It's still standing today. It's still operational, has hundreds of members. I mean, it's New York, okay? <laughs> but, um It really, uh, I don't know. I I mean, again, I go back to the the saying of people won't get their heads out of the sand and realize, you know, just ignore it. It'll go away, and it's not going to go away. Now, there is a group with OBH that called me. She's been researching this for nine months, she said. And why did I pick, this was her question, why did I pick? the clubhouse model over a drop-off center Mm -hmm. and I said because a drop-off center is an adult babysitter and I don't care to babysit (laughs) you know I mean I think there's more to life than just giving somebody a coloring book and don't get me wrong it's good we do arts and crafts in our clubhouse we do it not necessarily for therapy, but for fundraising. There will be arts and crafts that our members have made for sale at the veterans celebration. Mm -hmm. So we do that as a fundraising mechanism as well. But um, so since the seminar, uh, my contacts with Clubhouse International have told me that they've been in touch with a couple of people from OBH. So Mm. maybe me being the first, is opening the door and opening eyes, I hope. I don't definitely, my whole big thing when I started yeah. was I was going to find people in New Orleans, Baton Rouge, of course, we're in Lafayette, yeah. Alexandria, Shreveport, Monroe, and just spread them all over the state.
2: Yeah, well, every nonprofit's got to have some ambition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Courtney, I mean, I kind of want to ask a similar question to you, which is, you know, I mean, to some extent, what y'all are, are doing in terms of just trying to put, you know, solid data, good practice in front of people. I mean, sex education a thing that's existed in schools for a long time. I mean, I feel like there's no other way to ask it. Why does an organization like Safe Haven need to exist? What changed?
3: Um, so actually in Louisiana, there's not a lot of schools who do um, sexual health education. Um, And also, we go a little bit more in detail about it. Um, So we talk about, like, all STIs and how they're contracted. Um, And also, um, we don't put any emphasis on morals and values. We really want the parents and people around them to put um, the morals and values. We just want to give the education towards them, Mm -hmm. um, give the education to them. So um, even, like, a lot of our students... Because we open up the floor for them to ask questions, sure. and the questions they ask, like, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, like, people really think this information is accurate because they learn a lot from TikTok and from Instagram and from Facebook, and it's like, no, like, <laughs> this is not accurate information. So, um, and it's not all schools in Louisiana, but a lot of schools do not um, give that information out. I mean, um, it, it's, it
2: strikes me that that's got to be a cultural thing, right?
3: I yes. mean, I mean, like,
2: I understand that you're trying to say, like, we don't, sort of create a moral judgment on these things, but, I mean, there's a viewpoint here where the act of not having a moral judgment about sex is a moral judgment, right? I mean, is is it some of it a cultural resistance, do you think? Um,
3: well, I think a lot of time people focus on abstinence and teach abstinence only. Sure. Um, and which we teach that that is the only way to have zero risk for pregnancy, for STIs, being abstinent 100% of the time. But it's just like our stats are showing that teaching abstinence-only education is not preventing mm-hmm. um, like STIs and teen pregnancy. So this is why we do like abstinence plus and we also teach mm-hmm. um, like other ways of prevention. Yeah. But yeah, I do think the culture plays like a big role on it. And it's like we just don't talk about sex at all. Yeah. You, know?
2: I, you kind of want a similar question to you, Clarice. I mean, I think historically, right, you can look at, cultures where um, we found ways to integrate people with mental health mm-hmm. issues right I mean for long times and it feels like that's changed I mean do you find that when you're communicating your value proposition right to a funder I mean is it that they just don't understand the value of it is it that they might disagree with the approach I mean what's generally been the obstacle I mean not to say that you're having a hard time but to the extent that you do <laughs> what seems to be getting in the way
1: I think it's they don't understand they don't realize because you can have a mental illness and you can be very productive you can hold down a job you can do all of these things I saw members of other clubhouses get up and speak to 600 people where and they went from they couldn't get out of bed when they joined the clubhouse to hold in a full-time banking job with a lot of responsibility that doesn't mean they don't have a mental illness anymore it just means that they learned how to manage that mental illness and they got the confidence and the and the skills you know the confidence to at least go back to school and to be around people you know and that's the the focus of the program Um, when it first started the psych doctor that started it and if I my brain was working I'd quote his name but I can't there is a book out called Fountain House that's uh, it's not an easy read but it is a good book Um, he found that if in his psych ward, in the hospital, if instead of just putting them in like an IOP a group setting, if he would say, hey, can you go file this for me? Or, hey, can you do this for me? They came out of their rooms and out of their isolation much better because they had a purpose, mm-hmm. you know? So that's the part that I don't think people really get. You you can have a mental illness, and a lot of people are ashamed of it. They don't want to admit they have a mental illness. There's a, a stigma still attached to it. So that's why I say they're around like-minded people, because everyone has a mental illness that comes to Focus Clubhouse. So, you know, we, we get some little tiffs going every once in a while because somebody triggered somebody and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you um, it, it just is, I just don't think they get it. They just don't get it, and they don't want to admit it, that it's happening in their neighborhood until it happens to someone they know.
2: You know, I think, um, I guess when it comes down to it, there's no lack of things that people misunderstand, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, well, look, I appreciate both of you guys coming on the show to try to help at least me understand these things a little bit better and, and the folks that listen to the show. So, I'm Courtney and Clarice, thanks for joining me on Out the Lunch Acadiana.
3: Thanks for Thank having you. me. I this. <laughs> My
2: guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Courtney Celestine, Director of Marketing at Safe Haven and Clarice Gallegos, President of Focus Clubhouse. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRBS. And you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about the great work Courtney and Clarice are doing by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. And you can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan. You can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com at KRVS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. And today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. For more stories deeper than the headlines, head to TheCurrentLA.com. Join me next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye.
0: Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, there's one sponsor slot open for 2023. To learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.